0: We still have a you know death by a thousand cuts, whether it's scheduling a mammogram or getting the results out or interpreted. It seems like there's a real sort of gap between the amazing solutions and the ability to implement them.
1: You're, if you have a family member who gets diagnosed with cancer, they're going to need to have care through our existing brick and mortar infrastructure, at least for now. Those institutions, I think, have been left behind a little bit in the digital health flurry. And so I'm particularly interested in technology solutions that are built kind of within and built to succeed, deeply integrated with, you know, our hospitals, health systems, and large insurance plans who are really bearing the, the cost of care for our sickest, most complex patients.
0: The opportunity is is amazing and given that you know the big payers, the from pharmacies like CVS to Aetna to Anthem to the other blues, they're all sort of starting to think about data, digitization, being proactive instead of reactive sick care. Hi, I'm Dr. Daniel Kraft. Welcome to Healthy Conversations. And today I'm in conversation with Dr. Vanita Agarwala. She's a physician, practicing physician, and also a general partner at Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, Vanita, welcome to Healthy Conversations.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: We're both physicians that are uh, sort of in the mix of technology, innovation. Uh, I'm sure many of the folks listening who are healthcare practitioners wonder what it does that a, a clinician, especially an MD, PhD like yourself, Um, does all day at at a major investment firm like Andreessen Horowitz.
1: We're both deviants, as it were, Daniel. In my own case at Andreessen Horowitz, I get to work with a team of eight folks on our bio investment team to deploy early stage venture capital into places where we think software and engineering and computation can step change both biotech life sciences innovation as well as digital health and care delivery. We have the opportunity to partner really closely with early stage founders um, even after the investment and that in some ways is actually my favorite part of the job and think through what are all the ways in which we could give input on their scientific research strategy and what are all the ways in which we can help them with connectivity as well across the ecosystem.
0: We're seeing this explosion of innovation, partly catalyzed by COVID, both in the biospace, the digital health space. All of them are converging. What kind of mindsets would you, would you encourage folks who are, you know, in the trenches as clinicians or otherwise in healthcare that could contribute to this, you know, next generation of of this new health age?
1: I think the opportunities are just, are extraordinary at this moment in time. My feathers rustle a little bit when people say, oh, the COVID pandemic is sort of why we suddenly have a digital health industry. Telemedicine is sort of the tip of a very deep iceberg that's been brewing for, for quite a while in terms of how do you infuse technology into care delivery. And I think it also kind of shook up enterprises a little bit. The speed with which we've seen healthcare enterprises adopt new technologies has grown. Kind of the ways in which you could impact that industry really are myriad for a clinician, and I would really encourage clinicians to think about roles that go beyond kind of what I'd call user research roles, where a company is looking to have kind of a physician's lens on the workflow they've set up or a gut check on whether the results of a particular analysis kind of jive with clinical intuition. But I also think there's a lot of roles that extend far beyond that. Innovating in this industry requires forging relationships with regulatory bodies, with legislators, with advocacy groups, with patient advocacy groups. There are really substantial roles to be had in that domain. I often think of, you know, an internal medicine hospitalist team lead as really a product manager of sorts, right? They're kind of balancing a whole bunch of priorities. And so in some ways, really abstracting away from your clinical role and just thinking through, what are the skill sets I've built in, in communication, and orchestration of care, and in team building? What are the ways in which that can influence industry? And I think the answer is many.
0: They don't really teach us product management, or even uh, much in the way of leadership in med school.
1: Nobody teaches product management, <laughs> um, even in industry. So it's a learned yeah. job.
0: Speaking of practice, you're you're still practicing in, in more traditional settings, and I was. Curious how you would sort of summarize, you know, your experience over the last 12, 18 months.
1: At the beginning of last year, I was working in the oncology department at Stanford um, and doing a lot of inpatient care. And I currently focus on seeing cancer survivorship patients in a primary care context. I think there were a lot of kind of amazing feats that I think our healthcare system accomplished. The first observation I just had is, is, wow, as a provider community, we are... Committed to our patients. We're willing to take on personal risks that are really commendable. And, you know, I hope we continue to keep some of that camaraderie, even in digital health contexts where I think it's a little bit harder to forge, right? I did have kind of a, you know, and continue to have a a frontline view into missed screenings. Yesterday, I met with the patient. Her scheduled annual mammogram, which really is important for her given that she had prior breast cancer at a relatively young age she had decided not to pursue in the thick of the pandemic, the order expired. Nobody was aware of like when her mammogram was supposed to be rescheduled. It kind of took like a weird episodic visit with me, with a provider to re-enter the order and get her screening back on track. It's crazy to me that despite all the technology we've built around care delivery, we don't have basic notifications set up for that kind of thing. I'm kind of very curious to see this next wave of companies create provider workflow tools that are more oriented around population health, around proactive value based care nudges that just totally don't exist. And moving to telemedicine isn't going to solve it.
0: Yeah, spot on. We still have a death by a thousand cuts, whether it's scheduling a mammogram or getting the results out or interpreted. And speaking of those sort of digital layers, you know, when I was in medical school and maybe even when you were, there wasn't a, a course on, on digital health or Now, not just telemedicine, but remote patient management, maybe not just bedside manner, but website manner. It seems like there's a real sort of gap between the amazing solutions and the ability to implement them.
1: I love that phrase, by the way, website manner. I'm going to use that. Um, (laughs) We learned over the last year that there is a hunger for direct to consumer health care that honestly, I would have to acknowledge that as a provider, I underestimated. But at the end of the day, I think that's created a divide, because our sickest patients, if your mom has a heart attack tomorrow, you're going to have to show up at your local health systems emergency department, right? If if you have a family member who gets diagnosed with cancer, they're going to need to have care through our existing brick and mortar infrastructure, at least for now. Those institutions, I think, have been left behind a little bit in the digital health flurry And so I'm particularly interested in technology solutions that are built kind of within and built to succeed deeply integrated with our hospitals, health systems, and large insurance plans who are really bearing the the cost of care for our sickest, most complex patients.
0: The opportunity is is amazing, and given that, you know, the big payers, the... From pharmacies like CVS to Aetna to Anthem to the other blues, they're all sort of starting to think about data, digitization, being proactive instead of reactive sick care. You know, the famous phrase that, you know, AI is not going to replace your doctor, but your doctor will, who uses AI or replace those who don't. Where do you think we are on that sort of trajectory?
1: For me, the sort of image that always comes to mind is like a very specific memory that all clinicians will have had of doing chart review on a complex inpatient before entering the room, like no matter how much information has been thrown at you in some passive way, at some point, you felt that urge to kind of click through in the EHR every lab value, right, to have digested all the information available to us in order to build our best possible understanding of, of that patient's current status. And I think about that a lot. There's two sides of that coin, which is that you sort of feel inadequate sometimes analyzing that data. You're like, well, you know, if I wish I had time, I'd really kind of look through and see if there were any case reports on whether, you know, a cortisol in this range combined with, uh, you know, XYZ other, you know, factors is really meaningful, but I don't. And so I'm just going to kind of have to ignore that data point or guess about it. And then on the other hand, it's almost like no matter how synthesized that data were provided to you, you don't really feel it in your gut, the confidence to make a clinical call unless you've digested the data yourself. So to me, those are the two key requirements actually of an AI tool that actually works hand in hand with a clinician. One, kind of finding insights that that individuals undoubtedly cannot find, which I think is possible and very real. There's no way I could crunch the data of the hospital system's EHR to understand all the other patients who look just like my ICU patient over the last 10 years. And then the second is you have to give me the information in such a way that I feel like I have personally internalized it to get to conviction about a care decision. And so those are two features that I unfortunately don't see in all of the AI driven healthcare care solutions. Uh, And I think in both those features don't cut the clinician out of the loop at all.
0: What's your perception of social media, platforms like Clubhouse for especially clinicians and even researchers, folks talking about vaccine hesitancy all the way to you know drug repurposing?
1: I think it's just really phenomenal to see all the modalities for groups to come together, learn quickly, crowdsource suggestions, share clinical vignettes. I do think, you know, you're only seeing sometimes one side of the story or, you are you know, there's just kind of all kinds of bias that we're not aware of based on who's there and who's not. It's important in group settings to make sure that there are folks specifically to hear a view that would otherwise be missed.
0: I'm curious, in your practice today, have you seen any, you know, sort of vaccine hesitancy? How do you communicate the sort of complex lessons in the setting of vaccines to your patients?
1: Not just patients, but, you know, acquaintances or second, third degree folks who I've just had social interactions, conversations with, you know, so far And in, in all the patients that I've seen, for example, even post bone marrow transplant, even who do have graft versus host disease, none have had complications. I think more literature will be published soon on this, but, you know, I think We've realized it's safe. The most helpful data for a patient is to tell them about other patients who look a little bit like them, you know, who've kind of made it out on the other side well. And that could mean people from their community, that could mean patients with similar comorbidities, that could mean, you know, other patients that, you know, are seen at the same practice and sort of have a sense of community indirectly through a provider.
0: You know, you're Andreessen Horowitz, you've got also an incredible media arm at A16Z. You see a lot of things early and mix it up with the best and brightest in health and health tech innovation. Anything that's surprised you, you learn lately about things that might be underreported.
1: One of the biggest surprises, again, on the global scene to me has been kind of just how little visibility we had into waves of extraordinary pandemic. In other countries like India, you know, Brazil, all over the world. I don't think we've nailed why, why that happened, why that happened so suddenly. We might be underestimating the role of future surges in Africa and other parts of the world where they just haven't even happened yet. I think still how little awareness we fully have of the global interconnectedness of our population.
0: Yeah, we all live on uh, one spaceship Earth, and uh, one of the lessons, yes, is how quickly an epidemic can spread to a pandemic. So obviously one of the pioneers across vaccines has been Moderna. Actually, I was a postdoc with Derek Rossi in the Weissman Lab at Stanford, who originally founded Mm -hmm. Moderna. It stands for Modified Mm -hmm. RNA. Most people don't realize Modified MO, Moderna.
1: It is absolutely remarkable that that story played out the way it did. The public-private partnership was really effective in scaling up clinical development and manufacturing efforts at a rate that we've just never seen before in the biotech industry.
0: Can you maybe share what are some of perceptions and possibilities of where mRNA as a platform could go in the next decade?
1: Yeah, you know, I really think the possibilities are endless. Effectively, you're delivering a copy of a gene. You could use that gene to encode a protein that you're delivering in a replacement context. You could use it to deliver a new moiety that wasn't missing but could be helpful in the same way that you deliver any other sequence-encoded therapeutic? What if you could deliver an mRNA-encoded antibody? Could that be a more effective way of, uh, and if you could have more control over where you guide that RNA to get expressed in the cell? that could unlock something special even outside of a gene replacement context. Could you deliver something that modulates the immune system in some way in a very specific targeted site of disease? In the oncology context, people have been thinking about you know, the concept of cancer vaccines for some time. Could you prime the immune system to generate recognition of certain cancer antigens. The short summary there is that, yes, it seems like you can, but it's not quite as easy as we thought either. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna see that play out over the next several years in terms of what those applications are for RNA.
0: Let's zoom back again. Maybe help folks understand your sort of personal journey. What? How did you end up where you are? What kind of personal experiences brought you into venture capital and to Andreessen Horowitz?
1: My own journey, um, I think was mainly driven by kind of jumping into opportunities that I thought were exciting that were right in front of me. I have to say most of it was not particularly scripted or planned, and that's the whole point of startups, right? You know, the main kind of thesis that I followed is, hey, if somebody great is working on a problem that I think is is really important and there's some way in which I could contribute, I really tried to figure out a way to join that team. And that was kind of a recurring theme for me. I um, had a chance to work with some really great founders at companies in the Boston area. That's actually where I first met Julie Yu, one of my partners now here at Andreessen Horowitz. Even though those nonlinear steps can, can be painful and can feel sometimes like you're jumping off the train, so to speak, you can always jump back onto the train, actually. I first joined McKinsey before i went to medical school and you know just kind of pursued things that seemed non-linear at the time right there in front of me and felt like that they'd be really fun candidly and or have a certain type of impact so that's been the predominant thread
0: it's in my own path it was always about you know following the bliss a little bit but seeing all these convergent ideas seeing pain points across healthcare trying to figure out if i could solve them or not speaking to that point where do you see in the sort of healthcare marketplace particularly high demand for, for clinical expertise. What are companies looking for? What do they need physicians for? And how might clinicians of all sorts reach out to start a conversation?
1: Yeah, I'll try to give practical advice here, which is look for roles that kind of directly use your clinical background, but also be open-minded to roles that seem like they're not linearly tied to your, you know, your specific clinical background. That could be You know, roles in regulatory affairs, all roles where maybe you haven't had specific experience, but your core skill set as a hardworking, energetic, you know, kind of competent person can be useful. The key is to just meet with as many companies and people as you can when you're first navigating into industry, just because you get a lay of the land that way, you get a sense of different roles that are available and you need to hear about all of them to make that decision. I think reaching out to founders directly, we, met, we talked about social media before, but sometimes that can
0: be a great recruiting tool as well. So sometimes you don't need to make the exact, complete leap to industry. Many folks act as consultants, many academics, found companies, good to keep your medical license. Uh, any sort of downsides you've seen to for clinicians moving in, in, into industry?
1: The major downside that I see is Underestimating how attached and how important the clinical service mission really is to you, and sometimes that can manifest as just directly missing the opportunity to do patient care.
0: For me, it's been the patient care component where you get the inspiration, you see the ideas, the dots connect, and uh, and then the magic can start to happen. Maybe just for in our last bit, we consider nerd out a bit. We both, I'm a bone marrow transplanter by background. You're dealing with uh, patients with GVHD or survived transplants. What are some of the ways you think we could Reinvent the whole, not just, well, the cancer patient journey, but also uh, post cancer journeys.
1: Yeah, Kluji is right. I think there are so many opportunities to change how the cancer patient's journey goes. One is around kind of helping patients be cared for close to home. I think there are a lot of opportunities to bring access to, you know, genomic testing, to hereditary risk stratification, to bring access to clinical trials. Much much closer to the patient's home. We've forced them to come in just for a screening visit, and I've had seen patients, obviously, you know, as I'm sure you have, who you know travel six hours to be screened for a clinical trial. We could just do a lot better to help triage you know, scary situations for cancer patients. Unfortunately, cancer patients run into a lot of scary situations. We prescribe an oral chemotherapy, send them home, and we know that on a particular day after prescribing that, they're supposed to expect a rash on their hands. But the only way we educated them was we sent them home with a printout that described a laundry list of side effects of that therapy. And so on that day, they present to an urgent care center or an emergency department saying, oh my gosh, what's happening to my hand? There's just so much opportunity for education and transition for patients back into primary care and, and, and helping patients get back onto a path of kind of more global wellness that for me is, is really personally satisfying.
0: Yeah, 100%. We all have the opportunity not to just predict the future, but to, to boldly create it together collaboratively. So thanks so much for uh, joining us in Healthy Conversations. Congratulations on all the amazing work you're doing at Andreessen and Horowitz and Beyond. and and Godspeed in helping uh, continue to catalyze the future of healthcare.
1: To you as well, thanks for having me.